Get your day started right. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabiro Sheikh Only on the Voice of the King. So 6.42 is where we're at this morning. And if you've just turned on your radios and joined us, welcome into it. Good to have you in our company. We move along now to our first feature. Now, the Department of Correctional Services has suspended the female warden who was caught on video having sexual relations with an inmate at a prison out in KwaZulu-Natal. Now, the explicit video that has gone viral across social media shows the pair passionately kissing in what looks like an office inside the prison before before they get into the act. But joining us online this morning to unpack exactly what had transpired, but also, and more importantly, you know, the safety protocols and processes that are in place within, um, you know, facilities under the Department of Correctional Services. And, of course, how this might not occur in the future once again. Of course, you can imagine a lot of embarrassment, a lot of um, reaction has come through as well from the Department of Correctional Services. But we thought this morning to give us further insight into the matter. Joining us online, Correctional Service Department spokesperson, and that is Singabako Trumalo. Good morning and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning and thank you for having us. Only a pleasure. So, of course, you know, in light of this very disturbing video that has come to light, perhaps, you know, just sharing with us in terms of the Department of Correctional Services, you know, when did this come to light and was brought to the attention by the department? We got the video on the 16th of March, which is the day before yesterday, uh, after um, uh, 1600. And when we looked at it, we said, indeed, this is a correctional official, this is an inmate, and this is a correctional facility. Then it was a matter of saying, uh, who are these people and where did this thing happen? So we sent it to our other commissioners and um, they, uh, then one did confirm that, no, this is my official and this is my center. Then we took the issue from there because the video left us, you know, uh, uh, disappointed. You know, uh, it, it's something that we wouldn't want to expose the machine to. So we then needed to take action. Hence, we have suspended the official who does appear in that video, and we've also charged the inmate um, uh, as well. But we said we need to then uh, launch a serious investigation so that we understand uh, this uh, incident. Was it just an isolated case, or there could be more into it? And is it just these two people, or there are things happening there? Because to us, a conduct of this nature can never be acceptable. Hence, it's important that we need to move with speed and also get to know exactly what's happening. Hence, the actions that we have taken and we have prioritized the issue. We are moving with speed so that um, at least we will know that uh, we will deal with it, you know, amicable, and then um, bring things back into normalcy because there is a code of conduct both for officials and mm. inmates. So then, you know, such an incident, you know, did embarrass quite correctly. Mm. And just in terms of, you know, once this video had gone viral, we had then seen, you know, many memes and tweets doing the rounds that, you know, perhaps these two individuals were married or had a relationship. Not that it would matter um, in terms of the severity of the act and, you know, that the official was in uh, uniform as well. But just some clarity on that as well. I can state that the image and the official saying that we are not married and the official is still alive because there also rumors that she has taken a life. That is not true. But I need to clarify this. At no point we will uh, allow an official to work 
in an environment where the partner or let's say the former husband or whoever you know is in the same uh, facility you know as an inmate because we know that when being uh, with different prison systems into disrepute it's a different relationship that you will not manage it quite effectively and we fail to um, put in place you know the order that you know that must be carried out hence we don't even encourage uh, relationships between uh, officials and inmates. It's very clear, hence from time to time, we'll move officials and when we pick up certain things which are, are, are normal in nature, you know, we, we do address them. Hence, we are very clear to say at no point an official should have a relationship with inmates, be it a, fr- a friend relationship, it's even worse when it goes towards a sexual relationship mm-hmm. that can never be allowed to dismiss an offence. Hence, there is department that said, no, we needed to look into this and really get into, you know, into, into mm-hmm. the private of it. But I can confirm that the two are not a couple. They were never married before. All right. Thank you for that. Then also, you know, there have been many questions around uh, perhaps protocols within the Department of Correctional Service with regards to, you know, how would a female warden then have access um, to a male inmate, etc.? You know, is it common for female wardens um, to perhaps deal with male inmates? We have um, um, female officials who do work in centres where um, there are male inmates. And and the reason for that is that, you know, as human beings, male or female, you know, we are equally capable. What a man can do in the female, you know, that person can do it as well. So we don't want to discriminate. But we said we understand the environment within which you operate. Therefore, you will never have a situation where you have, maybe let's say, a group of only female officials managing male inmates. There must be some male. So when we deploy them, we make it a point that, you know, there's that fair representation and that um, the female officials don't, are not outnumbered or do not feel um, uh, that their lives, you know, could be at risk. So we make it a point that, you know, there's firm deployment to that effect. But what's, what happens is that in our correctional facilities in the centers, you do have offices that our officials use. And then, but there are also strict protocols in terms of inmates accessing those offices. Uh, even those who get to be classified, we call them monitors. Uh, they undergo a particular process and there's even a committee uh, which then ma- make it a point that the inmates who must like, perhaps do the cleaning mm-hmm. and uh, you know will have access to our offices you know, are known and what is it that they are doing there and there are also stipulated times that you know they can only be in those offices between let's say between um, eight and 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 three pm after that they should be in their cells. And and also to say there can never be a situation where an inmate and, uh, and an official could be you know like a one-on-one encounter mm. in an office. Mm. So hence then the investigation because we need to understand how did it happen that uh, this inmate could find himself you know in, in, in an office with an official just the two of them where they could log that office nobody you know is accessing that space for over six that video is over six minutes. So, so to us, we really need to understand whether it is a common practice or it's just an isolated incident. Could there be other players also involved in mm. this thing? It's something that really disturbed us, and it's against the, the, the processes that we have on the ground. Hence, then, we need to know what really transpired there.
Having said that, um, you know, <coughs> Singabako, just in terms of, you know, misdemeanors and challenges that the Department of Correctional Services sort of faces with wardens and those that are under their banner, you know, is, is a misdemeanor of this nature or similar, um, you know, something that is dealt with, you know, on a common basis and perhaps not brought to the light of the media and social media, etc.? Or, you know, has this, like you've alluded to a little earlier on, in your knowledge, been an isolated incident? We have uh, a number of channels uh, where um, uh, or officials, including inmates, can report certain things. Or if, you know, people pick up things which are not normal in the sense of uh, or, uh, your standard operating procedures, can also be brought to the fore. Uh, it's specifically, you know, to identify, you know, such um, behaviors and, and, and then deal with them, you know, at an early stage. But then when that fails, it therefore says then we are likely to have a challenge and then you need to deal with it, you know, no matter at what stage you are able to, you know, to, to, you know, to, to get into it. As in as a department, we always call upon officials to say, in case you feel pressurize into doing something or there's certain things that you're picking up or you feel like you know what you're no longer safe in that space or there are things that you think that your and um, the colleagues could be doing or inmates perhaps are trying to take control of our center you've got to talk and then uh, there is some measures of protection that we even offer to those people so so that at the end of the day you have centers where our officials are in full control and we know what's happening in them. So when that fails, then it, it does disappoint us because it just says there's a layer, you know, in, in our line of hierarchy which somehow, you know, has failed and also mm. says that security has been breached. So as a department, you know, then investigations do assist us so that we're able to identify what really happened and get into the root cause of it so that we can even um, preempt things like this from happening in future and then prevent them, you know, completely. But as a department, you know, it's an it's, it's an ongoing work. Hence, we are saying we must, you know, always be frank when these things happen to say what happened, how did it happen, what could be the contributing factor, so that you present it and you can also even protect other centers from having similar cases. Indeed. And, you know, as disturbing as the video was, you know, many sort of scenarios and situations, you know, had been questioned and called to light by the public. You know, could it be possible that the female warden was either drugged or, you know, was she threatened or, you know, so I'm sure the investigation will go into that as well. But just, you know, before we leave, what processes will now be followed in terms of the investigation? What exactly happens now in terms of disciplinary for the warden as well as the inmate? What is happening is that the official has um, received a suspension letter and then she'll be informed of the disciplinary processes when to come. And the statements have been taken both from the official and the inmate, but the investigation has also started, so it's looking into not just the, the two people that you see in the video, it's beyond that. So it's going to start and then um, working. So people have been identified, you know, to, to uh, or appointed to work on this particular matter. They will then, uh, whatever evidence that they can get, you know, they will gather it, you know, bring it, um, you, know, you know, to the fore, deal with it so that as the, um, the disciplinary process is taking place, the investigation is also running on, on, on the other side so that at the end of the day, whatever action that is taken, you know, has full appreciation of what's happening there so that 
you do not have a situation where you think you've taken sufficient action against the two that you see individual. What is the problem or the challenge could be much bigger. And also the inmate will face serious consequences because there are means to discipline inmates uh, internally. Uh, this is someone who was sentenced to life um, for serious offenses. Yeah, okay. But then because of the time they just spent and programs that attended have been classified now as a medium inmate. So that will also be, it will, the status will be affected. It could be reclassified back into a maximum. It's going to lose quite a number of privileges. Even the correctional facility, the way it moved to, will, 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 will not be the same as where it was. Mm. We have about 60 seconds to go. And just finally, in terms of the official, we like you've mentioned, you know, the official has been suspended. The investigation will now take place. You know, in terms of the official's career, what happens now? You know, is there a possibility for the official to be reinstated? What it, What is protocol there? I would want to preempt the outcome of the disciplinary process, but... Mm. Um, our code of conduct, uh, you know, is very clear to say there are certain acts which can never be uh, tolerated. But then, you know, the, the processes are very clear that every person, you know, must be had, you know, get all sides of the story, do a full investigation so that the decision that you take is fair and rational. So um, as a department, we'll follow that. But uh, our code of conduct is quite explicit, you know, what is expected of a correctional official. Certainly. Well, Singabako, thank you so much for joining us on VOC Breakfast this morning. It's been a pleasure chatting to you, Correctional Service Department spokesperson Singabako Tumalo, speaking to us this morning in light of the uh, disturbing uh, sexual video that was released and went viral of a Department of Correctional Service official and an inmate um, caught in a sexual act.